Welcome to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, it is so good uh, to be together this Easter. Remember last Easter? We were behind our TVs, behind our phones, behind our eyes. It is so good to be together. If this is your first time here, listen, we're so glad that you're here with us. And also, it may be your first time back since COVID. And listen, it is so glad to have you back as well. This is my uh, nine-year-old son's first Sunday back. And so uh, if there was a cute little nine-year-old with glasses that was autistic that says something to you and you thought that was inappropriate, it was. And I'm sorry, okay, but he was, he was glad to be here. Kay started doing something, uh, I guess about, I don't know, a, a year ago. I lay with him at night when it's time to go to bed, and uh, we're laying there, and I, I stay there till he goes to sleep, and he'll put his hand on my chest as we're praying. And so it's his left hand, he's laying on his stomach, and, uh, and then I'll say, in Jesus' name, amen. I go, love you, Cage. And you would think he would go what? Yeah, he used to do that. He doesn't do that anymore. He says, why? <laughs> just, out of, just, just started that. About a, I don't know, maybe a year ago. Why? And I was, caught me off guard. Well, you're awesome. That's why. Next night, love you, Cage. Why? You're funny. Well, after about the seventh night, I'm out of answers, you know. But he keeps doing it. I'm on rinse and repeat with my answers. But you know what? Sometimes we, we can do that. And, and sometimes why, if, if you're like me, can be a loaded question. It means we're inquisitive or maybe accusatory or, or defiant. Why did, why did you say that? Why why'd you do that? Why, why weren't you home? Why, why were you crying? Why, why were you late? Or, or maybe we ask questions like this. Why me? Man, why, why am I going through this? We're, we're, we're masters at asking the why question. Well, this day, we celebrate the fact Jesus is alive. I think this is like a third time I've seen that video, but man, that phrase just stood out to me. And I need to be reminded of that, but why Jesus? Why, why? you know, there's a lot of people that are asking this question, why, why believe in him and why, why follow him and why live for him? Why, why die for him? Why, 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 why Jesus? Why, why do Christians believe that he rose from the dead? Well, today's message, like Trey's already said, it's, it's really, why not Jesus? Man, why not Jesus? And so why not believe and, and why not follow? Why not be like the apostles willing to die for this man? Man, why not Jesus? So we're going to look at uh, John chapter 20. And I want you to see the responses as we walk through this chapter this morning of, of Mary and, and, and Peter and John and even Thomas in a, in a little bit. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, who was John, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. 
Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. And while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings, then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. And listen to what it says about him. And he saw and believed. <laughs> he saw and believed. For until then, they hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Now listen to this next phrase. Then they went home. John saw that Jesus had risen from the dead. He believed, but it didn't say that about Peter and Mary. And we can tell by Mary's response, she didn't believe he had risen from the dead. They went home. Like, what, what do you do with, with this kind of news? Peter and Mary, they're, they're lost. They're scared. They're more than disappointed. Why did John believe and the others didn't? Why, why did John believe first and the others didn't? Or here's a question. Why doesn't everyone believe in Jesus? Why doesn't everyone believe that Jesus has risen from the dead? Well, there's disappointment, there's fear, and there's doubt. I, I would venture to say many of you sitting in this room, you probably fall in one of those three areas. You're probably going through, through some level of disappointment, some level of fear, some level of doubt. We've all been disappointed. How many people uh, throughout time have been disappointed just in the church alone? not to mention maybe a loved one or a friend or, or, or 2020 was a major disappointment. What about fear? Well, I know Jesus died for everybody, but what if, what if he can't handle my sin? Or what if he chooses not to? Or, or this chapter that I found myself in life, this is, this is not something I bargained for. Can he help me through this? I'm afraid he can't. What about doubt? And who in this room has not struggled with doubt and who has not wrestled with doubt about who Jesus is and who he says he is and that he's risen from the dead? Or again, sort of like fear, can he see me and help me through this period that I'm in? Or can, will he? I doubt he will forgive me. This is sort of like a, a before and after, so I may have to leave my man card here on the stage, but I'm, I really had to leave my man card here in the stage first service, but I'm going to make a confession. I like HGTV. I, I don't watch it all the time, but if it's on, if Love It and List is on, I'm stopping what I'm doing. I'm watching it. And if Chip and Joanna's on, I'm fixing up her, you better believe I'm hitting the record button if I can't stay and finish that show. But, but here's what I like about it. First of all, how many, how many, how many men in the room like, like HGTV with me? Thank you, you three. <laughs> we got a wife calling a man out. So you're scared. <laughs> what I love about the show is at the end, because so they, you know, you're watching all the work, but, but you know, they, they just take Fixer Upper. They'll have that big poster of the, the, you know, the, the, the house, what it looked like before, but then they remove it and man, there, there's a new house, you know, and then they go into the foyer or the living room and you see the old and then you see the new. It's just awesome. What you see here 
is really like a before and after. We see Peter and Mary and, and Thomas before they believe in Jesus, and then we see them, them after. Here's what we see happen. Jesus can turn disappointment into joy. So if you're in that disappointment chapter right now in your life, I want to tell you, I want to speak to you, Jesus can turn your disappointment into joy. Now, look, we've all been there, but I want you to look at Mary for a second. She thought Jesus was dead. She thought his body had been stolen. Verse 11, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and she looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. She said, because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw Jesus, someone standing there. She saw someone standing there, and it was Jesus, but she did not recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? He asked her, who are you looking for? And she thought it was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him Mary, Jesus said. Mary, he, he called her by name. And she said, she turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which is Hebrew for teacher, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. You know what she's saying? He is alive. I've seen him. He's not missing. He's not dead. I've seen the Lord. And then she gave them his message. One thing I know about grief, uh, grief compounds. So here, Jesus is gone. Jesus is dead. Then he was gone. Then he's just no more. Her, her hopes are gone. Her friend is gone. Her, who she thought was her savior, was gone. She was in, I will venture to say, the greatest disappointment in her life. This was not supposed to be how it was. But Jesus met her where she was. He met her in her disappointment, and he called her by name. For those of you right now that are in that, that chapter, disappointment, I want to say this to you. First of all, Jesus will meet you where you are. He will meet you in this disappointment. And I want to say this to you. And he knows your name. And he's calling you by name. Now, what does he tell her? She believed at that point he is risen. And because he is risen, listen, that changes everything. Because he is risen, that changes everything. All of a sudden, listen, she will be alive, not dead to sin and alive to Christ. She will have joy. Everything is as he said it would be. Everything changed. She knew and believed he was alive, and it turned her disappointment into Jesus. Today, for those of you that are in a chapter that you didn't see coming and you're wondering where God is right now, maybe I, I can't even describe what it may be for you. 
But know this. He's with you. And he knows your name. And here's what I believe he's saying to you. Hey, believe. Believe that I've risen. But believe that I'm here. Believe that I know your name. But believe I have conquered death. And because I've conquered death, I can conquer all things. Believe in Jesus. The, the true Jesus. And maybe some of you, or this is your first time in church in a long time, not just because of 2020, but maybe the Jesus that was portrayed to you was an angry Jesus or a spiteful Jesus or a legalistic Jesus or, or maybe it was just a syrupy Jesus, one you, you couldn't respect and it was just, it was just all love. And, and, and I'm telling you, believe in the Jesus of the Scriptures. Believe in that Jesus. Get to know him. And then for the rest of us, focus on Jesus and watch your disappointment turn into joy. I'll tell you another thing Jesus does. He turns our fear into power. There's a lot of things that differentiate us. But one thing I know is this. We all struggle with fear at some level, at, at some point, at some time. And fear can be, be crippling. If you'd have told me my senior year at high school that Scott Moore was going to get up on front of people on like on any Sunday, but especially Easter Sunday and, and it, with three services, and I was going to speak in front of people, much less talk about Jesus. I go, no, 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 no. That ain't happening for two reasons. One, I'm scared to death to get up in front of people because even though I'm 6'2", I look 5'8". No, just deathly afraid to get up in front of people back then. And then to talk about Jesus. I mean, I went to church and all, but I didn't want people to think I was some kind of Jesus freak or, or some kind of weirdo. But what happened? What happened? I want you to look at the disciples. We're going to see that before they believe that Jesus is alive, when they are afraid for their lives, we're going to see that they're meeting behind a locked door. They had just witnessed Jesus falsely accused, murdered, crucified, tortured by the religious and Jewish leaders. Here's where Jesus approaches them. Verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them Peace be with you. To these fearful disciples behind locked doors, peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and, and in his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Can, can you imagine the joy? But they were filled with joy again when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. Now, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Now, if this stopped here, they would be terrified. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. I'm going to send you back out to the very people, to the very crowds, to the very authorities that, that crucified me. I'm going to send you back out there to be my witnesses. But it doesn't stop there. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
Now, we're going to start a new series coming up next Sunday, and we'll talk more about the Holy Spirit. But just keeping in context, I want you to see what happened. Because he gave them the Holy Spirit, it was evident that something happened, that something was different. Because all of a sudden, these, these disciples that were fearful and hiding behind locked doors. We see just in the chapters later in the scripture, man, they are out in public and they're preaching in crowds. Listen to the very people that crucified Jesus. They're now out there doing this incredible thing that they wouldn't have done without the power of the Holy Spirit. They went from being afraid of dying to preaching to the ones that could kill them. What are you afraid of right now? What are you afraid of right now? In, in, in other words, what's eating your lunch? Man, you, you, you lay your head down at the pillow or you're, you're driving in the car and your mind just goes uh, just, just in neutral. Man, what is it that's just churning your stomach? You may find yourself in a chapter that you say, Lord, I didn't see this chapter coming. Lord, I, I didn't know that, that this was the next page. But this same Jesus that turns the disciples' fear into power, he can do the same thing for you for this stage that, that you're in, for this chapter that you're in. He didn't change the disciples' situation, but he did equip them for the situation that they're in. And I'm telling you this morning, whatever chapter Jesus has you in right now that, that has you afraid, he's not, he probably will not change your situation, but he will equip you for the situation that you're in. To, and I'm going to tell you what he's going to equip you to do, to bring him glory, to point to other, others to Christ, that's what he's going to do. That same Holy Spirit that, that he gave to disciples in is in every follower of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. He can change your fear into power as you trust the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. So he'll change your disappointment into joy. He'll change your fear into power. And I'll tell you this. He'll change your doubt into faith. Sometimes we hear something and we say, well, I'll believe it when I see it. Gary Thompson, he's our campus pastor at South Newton. This was years ago. It was a cold, wet November Sunday, and we were leaving church, and Sunday services were over. And he said, hey, I'm going fishing. I said, you're not going to catch anything on a day like today. He said, won't you go with me? I said, no, because I just said, you're not going to catch anything on a day like today. This is, this is I'm, I'm not doing it, you know. And anyway, he left and he went. Well, about um, 6.30 or 7 o'clock, I look, I hear a loud muffler or a loud truck. Gary's a redneck, by the way. And um, I hear this loud, this loud muffler and I look outside and there's Gary's truck. And uh, I walk outside and, and he's just leaning over and he pulls out a nine-pound bass that he caught. And he repeated my words to me. Remember what you said? You're never going to catch anything like this. And I said, why'd you bring it by? He said, because I knew you wouldn't believe it unless you saw it. And you know what? He's, he's exactly right. Well, I think Thomas, the, the apostle Thomas, may have been the first person to ever coin that phrase. Listen to what's going on. Thomas missed when Jesus appeared to the disciples. He missed that. He wasn't there. You talk about a bad day to go fishing. You know, you, you missed Jesus' uh, uh, appearance to the disciples. 
but he later heard about it. But listen to what happens. So one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. You know, he said, Honey, I'm never leaving you guys again. The doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you. Then he looks at Thomas. He said to Thomas, Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your fingers in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And Thomas replies, My Lord and my God. He, he went from being, yes, he, they knew he was Jesus and they knew his teacher, and they had hoped that he was a redeemer. But now he confesses, you, I have seen you risen. I have placed my hands on you and inside your wombs, you are my Lord and my God. And Jesus turned Thomas's doubt into faith. Jesus met Thomas where he was in his doubt. And then he turned that doubt into faith. He said, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Let's all be honest. If Jesus appeared right here and we all got to touch his, his wound and we got to see the holes in his hand and the wounds on his body, it'd be a lot easier to believe and that would dismiss a lot of doubt. But here's the truth. Throughout centuries, the disciples went and they preached and then they died. And then other, and people believed, and they never saw Jesus, and they died, but they had shared and witnessed, whether it was preaching or just shared with their children or sharing with their neighbor as they went uh, throughout life. But throughout centuries, people have been believing in Jesus, and they never got to see the wounds. They never got to, to touch the wounds. They've been believing because of the words and the testimony and the life change they've seen in other people. One of these people, his name was John Baker. He was an alcoholic. And this alcoholic, um, he died on uh, February 23rd. And I want to tell you something. Millions of people grieved his loss. This just passed this past February 23rd. John Baker gave his life to Christ, and he began a ministry called Celebrate Recovery. Now, now, you know we have Celebrate Recovery here on this campus, but let me tell you a little bit about it. His vision was to do this. He's, he had been an alcoholic and he had been part of the 12-step program, but he knew there was something so much greater than a higher power. He knew the higher power had a name, and his name was Jesus. And so he introduced Jesus into the 12-step program. He brought Scripture and biblical steps and biblical pre principles into the program. And I want to just tell you a little bit about this guy that never saw the wounds of Jesus, but believed in the life change that happened in him and then the life change that's been happening. There are 39,000 different celebrate recoveries worldwide, and again, one here. 
but only one in three who attend CR is for substance abuse. Seven million people have been through the STEP study. CR is in 60 different countries. It's in 25 different languages. It's the official recovery program for almost every prison in the United States. It's in more than 700 prisons. More than 250,000 inmates have been through the Celebrate Recovery Program, and over a quarter, a quarter of a million people have been trained as Celebrate Recovery leaders. Never saw the wounds. But you know what John Baker saw? He saw the, tr the hope and life change. He saw the testimony of another follower who believed in Jesus. And you know what? So many more people, because of John, because of people like John, who were able to help other people overcome their doubt because they saw what Jesus did in them. Let's go back to Thomas. Doubting Thomas, Thomas the twin, ended up going to India, taking the gospel to India, where there are churches there today that still trace their heritage to the apostle Thomas, the one that doubted. Thomas ended up dying for his faith. Doubting Thomas died for his faith in Christ. I want you to know this morning, no matter where you are, maybe it's disappointment, maybe it's fear, maybe it's doubt. I want to say this. Jesus knows your name, and he's calling your name, and he's going to meet you right where you are. He doesn't want you to clean up your act. He's going to meet you right where you are. And he'll turn your disappointment into joy. He'll turn your, your fear into power. He'll turn your doubt into faith when you believe. Father God, I thank you for Jesus. He's the one that turns death into life. Father, he takes the, the unholy and, and makes it holy. Father, he, he takes graves and, and turns them into gardens. So Father, we praise you, God, for the one who does that. And Father, today we celebrate this Jesus. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church slash give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you. We love you, and you have a family at East Ridge Church.